Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Liz Galloway. Before we get to Liz, I have a few announcements. First, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there. You can see links to our social media. You can see some stories that I've written. You can see stories that some of the guests have written. You can see links to their social media. Ours is, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. Follow us on all those platforms. Also on our site, you can find links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify and iHeartRadio. We're basically anywhere you get podcasts. So if you listen to us on any platform... I ask you to please, please give us a good rating because that helps more people find the show, boosts our presence, and that's always a cool thing for you to do. If you think you'd be right for the show or maybe you know somebody you'd be right for the show, maybe you have questions you want to ask me about travel or anything else, or maybe you just want to say nice things, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. And speaking of reaching out, Liz Galloway is someone who reached out to me. Liz has done a lot in the travel field. Not only for personal travel, but she also travels a lot for work and currently splits her time between Cabo San Lucas in Mexico or San Jose del Cabo and Seattle, which are two cool places to split your time. She is in the PR game. She works heavily in the wellness and adventure fields. Her company is called BrandSanityMedia.co if you want to look it up, where she does digital PR and brand strategy for uh, the travel markets. She works with hotels and cruise lines and that kind of thing, does their media, shoots video, and all that kind of thing. But she's also very adventurous. She's on a Clipper yacht race crew, which she kindly told me about after the fact, (laughs) which would have been interesting to talk about. But still, we had plenty to talk about. Talk about her life, how she's moved around a lot. She's taken a number of sabbaticals in her life. She lived for a while in Morocco. She lived for a while on a small boat up in Alaska. She lived in Costa Rica. So quite an interesting life where travel has played a major part. Like a lot of guests, I didn't know her before we met on the interview. So you'll be getting to know her along with me. Follow her on Instagram at travel.2.wellness. And if you need any digital marketing, check out brandsanitymedia.co. We'll have links to all this at TravelTalesPodcast.com. All right, please enjoy my chat with Liz Galloway. Liz Galloway, where am I talking to you from? Where are you? I'm currently in Baja. Baja, lovely. Are you in Cabo or La Paz? Well, near Cabo. It's uh, San Jose del Cabo. So it's the more chill, kind of more hippie side of Cabo, I guess you could say. Okay. And how long have you been down there? Uh, Let's see. It's been four or five months now. Okay. And I mean, you're basically, you could work from anywhere, right? Right. That's one of the perks. Yes. (laughs) What would you like? I didn't know what to call you. I mean, you're in PR. But you also produce content and you and so what do you tell people you do? The easiest version where I don't have to explain everything is I just I work in public relations. The longer okay. version is a creative director. So that's more all encompassing. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, 
little bit more explicatory, but I just leave it up to their imagination. How about that? <laughs> okay. But in the travel sphere, I mean, I've, I've seen from what I've seen from your sites and, and the little research I've done on you, I have done a little, you produce content for travel services, whether it's like cruises or you work with resorts as well and, and places like that and right. destinations. Right. Yeah. A lot of it is travel related. And obviously I, I love travel. It's it's something that everybody wants to chase. Right. So yeah, why not? So it gives me the opportunity to create things that I love, but have the storytelling version of it in video. And because I'm not, I would say great at photography. I prefer video because it gives me more <laughs> options of, you know, the telling the story, the transitions, the input, the music. It's just for me a lot more uh, all encompassing. I couldn't find much footage of you in front of the camera. Are you always behind <laughs> uh, it? Yes. Okay. Is that out of like... <laughs> I, I have been. Uh, okay. I have been in front of the camera before, you know, hosting kind of live TV. I've done plenty of, you know, podcast, radio, TV, but uh, I think it's uh, a little less stressful just to be behind the camera and, and direct and produce. And you don't have to wear makeup, which is nice. <laughs> exactly. What uh, what live TV have you hosted? Oh, it was a small mountain uh, show when I lived in Utah, which is where I'm originally from. So it was a Park City mountain morning show many years ago. It was super <laughs> fun. You know, that 5 a.m. wake up call. Oh, yeah. Local ski town stuff. Uh, yeah, way back in the day. Good morning, Park City. <laughs> you know it. You sit there with your cup of coffee and then you would, yeah, say what the uh, the powder is looking like out there. Got it. So, okay. So you grew up in, in Utah, in Park City or is elsewhere? Salt Lake City. Yeah. Okay. Salt Lake City. Just on the outset from how you've led your life, it seems you wanted to get out. <laughs> or is that true? Or, or are you always looking elsewhere? Or did you ever look back at it and think, I'm going to settle down here one day? Or did you settle? Yeah, down? no, I don't think I will ever really settle down there again. It's just, um, I don't think it was ever my home. I didn't really ever feel that way, right? Uh, there's lovely, wonderful things about it. I think it's listed as the second fastest growing place in the United States right now. It's it's tremendous. There are lots of great things, lots of outdoors, but there are other places that offer similar things. So for me, the trade-off on certain things is just um, better elsewhere, which I enjoy more for my particular lifestyle and what I like to do. So yeah, I guess getting out, as you say, was <laughs> was my escape plan. Yeah. Okay. All right. So where was the next, where was the first destination? When I originally left Salt Lake City? Yeah. Was it for college or was it for work or something? Oh, I mean, I guess my first kind of transition into loving travel was a foreign exchange when I was 14 years old and I went to Germany and we did a whole oh, kind of European tour all over. And that's when the Berlin Wall was still up and we went over the other side of the wall and saw all this cool stuff. And, you know, we were supposed to be practicing our German, which never really happened, but there were right. plenty of <laughs> other random stories. And, and I remember just having a lot of camembert cheese and red wine and one night not feeling so great and it all came back up mm -hmm. that was <laughs> so that's that's a terrible story but um so that was kind of my first foray into loving to to get into travel but then after that I kind of more officially I think I was around 27 moved to Costa Rica to work in the the wellness and travel industry there so a lot of things kicked off from that point when um my first trip to Europe was also, I mean, this was 89. So it was the last summer of the Berlin Wall. So I went through 
Checkpoint Charlie and did all that. And I still have some East German money somewhere. It's wild. Me too. It was crazy, wasn't it? It was like the whole, but I always tell this story of like, um, as politics change here and elsewhere, um, I remember staying with a guy in West Berlin who had grown up there, the young guy in his 20s. And I asked him, you think this wall's ever coming down or anything? He's like, nah, I don't see it happening. And like six months later, literally, I'm watching TV and they're smashing it. So I always tell people, it's like, yeah, you don't, you know, things change. Governments change. Countries change quite often. I'm just in our lifetimes alone. I'm a little older than you, but I, uh, I've seen a lot of countries change, you know, so it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. It's a very fluid thing, societies. I agree with you. And definitely internationally uh, changes in uh, governments and how they are very different from us in so many different ways of how they look at things. But yeah, that was a man. I remember that back in the day. I was very young and I was just like, wow, you know, that's, that's <laughs> cool when that came down, right? Yeah. So you were in Costa Rica. You're doing wellness. Uh, were you working with hotels or like retreats and things like that? All of it, all of the above. Yeah. And it was uh, large resorts, a lot of expats, a lot of tourism there. So they're based on that quite heavily. Yeah. Where in Costa Rica? Uh, it was um, Manuel Antonio, just kind of that central Pacific. So sounds like you've been there. Yeah. I've been, yeah. <laughs> I went to surf school down in Nosara. That's also a great spot. Yeah. I, I love surfing. I'm, I'm still terrible at it, but that doesn't stop me from doing it. Yeah. My school didn't help me that much. I mean, it was like my introduction to it. I'm from Illinois originally, so surfing was not like a thing. So I'm glad I went. It was great. And I just went surfing last week badly, but I go like once a year and I'm still bad. You know, go figure. Uh, how long did, were you in Costa Rica? In total, I ended up there about seven years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I went maybe for a year and uh, I didn't really speak Spanish at the time. And uh, it was more that typical, like, BS. Oh, yeah. I, I speak Spanish with a few words here and there. I forced myself to learn it, definitely pushed myself through it and ended up staying a lot longer, finding a lot of different things and traveling around. It was it was great. That's great. I do miss the animals. I, was, I mean, it's fascinating. The biodiversity there, obviously, if anybody's been there knows it's one of the you know, best places for that, well known for that. And so I do miss those cheeky little monkeys and the <laughs> all of the funky animals in national uh, parks. Good stuff. The, the monkeys that steal your stuff off the balcony if you're not careful and off the beach. I remember those guys. Was it ever like uh, a thought of yours to like buy a place down there or like settle down there? Because it's, you know, huge with expats, like you said. I mean, Costa Rica has been found out for many years, especially by Americans. But um, did you ever look at that? It was like, you know what, I'm going to put down roots here. Or was always was that like a stepping stone in your mind? I mean, I didn't really think of it as a stepping stone at the time. I felt like even though when you're like in your late 20s, you don't feel no, young. Yeah, you, you think you're so old and you know <laughs> everything and it's, you know, great. So well, I mean, Liz, I guess... I'm in my late 20s now, so I feel that way. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm in my I totally 20s, right? <laughs> as I told my Berlin Wall story. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> so I, I yes and no is the answer. I, I think I thought it was just more of I was enjoying the time as it was for the present and then building on my skills and learning and, you know, just all, all the things that I was doing different down there and growing. I ended up, you know, working with different spas and resorts and started a, what I, they would consider an LLC 
here in the States down there and kind of doing the same thing as helping expats start up their locations and kind of spun off from there and things. Mm -hmm. So I did think about being there longer, kind of going back and forth, but there's so many other places that I wanted to see. I didn't really want to be like stuck to one spot. So no, I, I get didn't it. ever. And now the property, I guess, would be a great investment now. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you talked about at least the article I read about you on the sabbatical, you know, taking a life sabbatical. And you've had a couple big, a couple big ones, right? I mean, and then it kind of turned your life in a whole new direction. So talk about that and talk about the benefits of taking a sabbatical and why maybe you think more people should. Yeah, I think more and more people are talking about it as sabbaticals, but also just in the lifestyle of full change. The remote work is so popular right now. Like the gig economy, remote work is just a thing now. So it's almost like you can kind of take your own permanent sabbatical in a way, especially if you work for a company that's more progressive, they allow that, that's those types of things. So mine were kind of back in the day, 2012 and then 2018-ish, 19-ish, I think if I'm remembering correctly on those sabbaticals, one in Morocco, one um, work crewing on expedition boats in Alaska, Mexico, and Hawaii. And I can't say enough about it. I think it's super important for you know our health, our work-life balance, uh, mental health, just ability to gain new skills and learn new things that everybody should do that. And it's constantly going to open up new opportunities for you, especially if you're just, you keep your mind open, right? If you're looking for new things, they're just going to continue to open those things up, which I do. Um, yeah, that's, that's no mind blowing kind of quotes there or, you know, sage advice, but I definitely think that it is something that everybody should consider. And Morocco was another place you went, right? It was, oh yeah, yes. Morocco was one of the the main spots, and that is a fascinating place. I will definitely say I would go back there. There's a lot more that I still want to see. Maybe spend some time in the the deserts with the Bedouins, and you know, be a little desert brat, hanging on the tents. I mean, glamping, maybe not just, a real, <laughs> just tent. tent sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I've never been, and so I was looking. That's on my list, high on my list of places to go. Uh, give me some tips about Morocco that maybe we can't find in the guidebooks and for people who are going to go, what do you recommend? I recommend doing it the local way. I stayed in the old city near the, in the Medina, near the Jamafana Square, which is right downtown near, you know, the mosques and all of those things and the big, you know, all the popular stuff you see on TV. Is this so in Marrakesh? In Marrakesh, okay. right. And uh, obviously there's many other cities, same thing, Casablanca, all those, they'll have something similar, right? But um, stayed with uh, an actual girl who was um, uh, Portuguese, so Portuguese girl in a traditional house there in the Medina, a dry area. So if we ever wanted a, a drink, we'd have to go kind of like to the new part of the city, right? With the the um, the rooftop bars and all the great cocktails and bougie stuff, but uh, I would say go the local route. Um, I was studying the language, which I find is a fascinating language, reading and writing. I think it's fascinating to be able to, you know, read, not only do they read in the opposite direction that we do, but just the characters and the, you know, accents and the different things that you need to focus on. It's, it's fascinating to me. And I think it can be a really beautiful language and just it, it continues, like I said, to open up your mind. So go hang out with the locals, meet locals and, you know, whether it's the local meetup 
Facebook.com or some other group activity, go do it. You know, eat the snails in the Medina, try out the <laughs> things, have the mint tea, learn how to pour it correctly, listen to the sounds. I was also there during Ramadan, which was, you know, just a very different, fascinating time. And then was able to break Ramadan at the end with a local family uh, due to the girl who I knew that the Portuguese girl who lived there. And it was, they're so welcoming. They're so great. So much food, so many different things. You're going to get that real experience if you're actually not just hanging out with other ex expats or not just staying behind the walls of your resort. There are many, many beautiful things there. So those things tend to fascinate me. I like to Maybe go incognito with a scarf and sunglasses around my head. Yeah, I was going to say, how do how do the locals take to this uh, this uh, foreign lady coming in there and uh, a successful, you know, working businesswoman in a region that maybe like that's not so encouraged by you know <laughs> or common? How were you accepted? And you know, were there any every kind of and ever some incidents or maybe that you know, like ooh, I better get out of here or or you maybe weren't treated well. Uh, yes and no. I mean, for, so for a woman, I, I didn't talk about a lot of the stuff that I did just in general. I wasn't there for that, right? I was on sabbatical. I was just trying to kind of maybe be a little bit more on the down low. So it was just about kind of hanging out, doing my own writing, stuff like that. So that was part of it. And uh, I, I felt like I was completely accepted. I mean, we, I would go with groups and we would take the bus down to Esuera and we saw the, the massive, you know, world festival right there on the, the beach on those huge stages with world music, you know, beautiful, beautiful things, the traditional um, things that they do with the horses. And so just hanging out with the locals, I was able to do that. They, you know, invite you to those, those types of things. So in that part, it was very welcoming. But as far as for a woman, yes, I did definitely wear a scarf around my head. I, you know, kept covered. It was conservative. Um, you know, I would be walking to school every day to, to study Arabic and, you know, would put the sunglasses on and headphones in my ears just to make sure that I, I kind of wouldn't be bothered, right? Because they, you are walking straight through the square, which is very popular sales people. They're used to the tourists, right? So if you even have an inkling of that, you're going to get sold a lot of stuff or attempt to be sold a lot of stuff, which can get very annoying, frustrating. And at times, yeah, I literally had um, men, local men from there that would come up and uninvited just kind of just touch me, you know, just be like, oh, you know, that's very, very aggressive to me. I've never experienced that in another country except for there. So when women ask me, do you, would you go back? I said, yes, absolutely. It's amazing. It's wonderful, very welcoming country, but you have to understand that it's just a different mentality, especially where women are involved or how they're respected or how they're looked at. And foreigners are kind of looked at as um, free game in a way because they don't have to necessarily adhere to the, the local rules, right? So if a local woman did something like drank or, you know, was non-conservative, that's a big problem. But if a foreigner did it, like it's okay, it's kind of accepted. And then that invited other things in, right? So right. kind of made sure to stay away from that. But yeah, definitely having someone come up and press themselves up against me to my face to try to stop me from walking or do something was a little bit aggressive. And so, you know, in return with that, you know, after I'd been there for a long time, they kind of were like, okay, she's, she's been here for a while. She's definitely not just, I mean, she's walking the same path every day. Like she's doing the, you know what I mean? So she's, she's going to be here for a minute. 
And I did have to get a little bit aggressive back, to be honest. And, you know, you, you raise your voice, you do the things that you <laughs> need to do to say, you know what, this is not okay. So yeah. how, how long were you there? Oh, God, it was uh, months. I mean, months and months. I, yeah, I loved it. I would definitely go back. I don't think it was long enough because I feel like when I was studying the language, um, I could have used so much more time, you know, just to continue to learn it. And yeah. How's your Arabic these days? Gosh, we, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I, that one word that is more than I know. <laughs> that, that one word is more than I know. So you're doing fine. I'm basically at the level of like ordering a coffee and how are you doing? You know, those types of things. <laughs> but the rest of it, I've almost pretty much forgotten everything. In this now, well, again. right. Um, so when did you really kind of take your business global? I mean, when was there a point where you're like, I can do this full time on the road yeah. and, and be remote? Well, I mean, I work for a company that uh, I still work for a company that has a base in Seattle, in addition to starting Brand Sanity Media, where I was like, I've been doing this for years, so I might as well make it more official, right? So um, that was just more recent of making that more official in the, in the past couple of years, even though I've been doing it for so long. Um, and it's just great to be able to work with brands to say, you know what, you asked me this stuff anyway, so let's just go ahead and make it a project and bring you on as a client type of thing. So we've all we've been around long enough to see the advent and the the invention of social media and how much it's taken over things like marketing and how and advertising and how much of a, a big part of it is social media. Were you quick to embrace it or do you fight it still or I'm going to oh. fight it forever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not good at it. I, <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's something that's necessary. And, you know, if I get a creative chunk of time to really sit and lay things out, it can get fun, but it's more tedious for me than I think maybe for other people. It's not something that I naturally like. I like more now, as you said, kind of being behind the camera so, you know, social media, I prefer to do for other people. I don't even really like doing it for myself. But, you know, like I said, sometimes if I get in that creative block, it's fun to kind of play around with some new things and some new transitions or some new apps and, you know, see what's out there and the trends and those types of things. I love watching other people's stuff. I <laughs> <laughs> we won't be finding you dancing on TikTok anytime soon. I wouldn't say never, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, tell me about the, um, the time spent in Alaska. Yeah, Alaska is a is a different spot. So when I was there, it was part of the crew of the expedition um, ship, small ship company, and uh, it was Southeast Alaska. So it's a little bit different than say you know inner Alaska. It's it's yeah. a place where it's it's water. It's remote islands. It's natural. It's that's where the the glaciers are and all these ancient fjords and you know, dramatic landscapes and those types of things, which is, you know, it's like I talk like that, but those are also the types of things you be right about to you know, yeah. get other people to come on board and be inspired and say, look, you know, these are the types of things you could say, see, but um, I loved it. It was um, just weeks of being on board. So you would have, you know, a rotation on board, you know, four, six or seven weeks, and then you'd have three, four weeks off and it would just continue to go that way. So it was a, a great option just to be, kind of not 
I mean, again, it was a sabbatical, right? So it was, I, I wanted to not have the consistent long hours of just work all the time of pressure, pressure, deadlines, this deadlines, that. And even though it was long days on board, it's different because you're, you're kind of playing all day. You're out, you're mm-hmm. outside, you're, you know, and I probably had one of the best jobs on board because it was uh, related to wellness and fitness. So I was teaching yoga and doing fitness classes and, you know, okay. it was, I can't. Yeah, I just got back from two weeks up there. But I, I was, heard that. Yeah, but I was uh, I was telling jokes, so I don't know if that's better or worse than the uh, than yoga instructor. But uh, I think I was, that's uh, a pretty sweet job. On yeah, board. it was a much a bigger ship, job. though. It was a much bigger ship. Um, how many passengers was was your ship? Uh, the largest, uh, the smallest one I crewed was thirty six people, and the largest. Oh my was gosh. 80. Six people, so they're basically like big yachts. It's a, oh, yeah. it's a great company. Yeah, that is small. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, we had like you know two to three thousand, so a little bit of, of a difference. Friends. Yeah, and I remember going to Glacier Bay, and so we were there this last last time I was there, and you know we we can only get so close because our ship is so big, and then you'd see a small ship, kind of put like what you're on, get way close, you know, and, and to like block our view. Get in all our photos, but I mean, it's just like oh, <laughs> block but, your but, view. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's just like oh man, we were all jealous of that small boat that could get so much closer, you know, and probably hear the ice falling yes. off the thing, you know. I and mean, we could hear it for where we were, but I mean, I can't imagine what it's like when you're really super close. It is white thunder. That's what we call it. It's definitely white thunder. It's, it's it's loud. It's a big crack, and you it actually ripples the boat. It rocks the boat. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's beautiful country up there. But I always tell people it's like you're only seeing, especially on a cruise, you're only seeing like the one little southeast part of it. I mean, there's it's Alaska's so huge. You really got to do like a land portion to really get the I feel agree. of it. Yeah, yeah I agree. And those smaller ships, you get to jump off the boat into the icy water, you know, 38 degrees is perfect for you. And Wim Hof's got nothing on this boat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when you go to these places, I mean, do they seek you out or do you pitch yourself to them or is it a little bit of both? For my sabbaticals or well, no, just for your business. Uh, I mean, it's it's both. Um, I mean, I've been doing it. I would say I've been in the international travel and tourism industry for it's wow, God, maybe twenty five years now. Even because I'm only twenty something. Yeah, so, which yeah, is weird. You started when you were three, which is yeah, amazing. Super young. You're so advanced. I'm, really, I'm smart. I mean, come on. I'm, yeah, I'm it's like, that Utah so school good. system. <laughs> So it's a little bit of both. Uh, I, I think now, especially because more and more people are doing similar things and there are a lot of creative and talented people out there and things are constantly changing, right? So it's, if you're not staying in the transition phase of learning, constantly learning things, you're going to be left behind anyway. So it's um, it's good that I can provide content where people can see it and so they can understand what that is. But you definitely have to go out there and also pitch yourself because there is just a lot of people doing it now. And you, but it does matter of having the background of being in the industry for this one because then you've got the contacts and especially in things like public relations, which I would say everybody really needs at some level, then it matters who you know or who you can reach out to or how, where you can get your people placed and so on. But um, I think 
in addition to that, just being in it, people now know me so they can say, Hey, you know, you, let's, you know, work together. In addition to the other work that I do for the companies I'm with full time, basically. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, a crew of people or do you, is it all you? Me and an assistant and I outsource pretty much everything, which is, um, which is what I prefer to do because it's, it's just a lot more efficient. And like I said, everyone is so remote in the gig economy. It allows, I mean, I can work with someone on across the other side of the globe. If it's like that, I want that skill set and that person matches it. That's what I'm going to go for. I'm not necessarily looking for someone in a particular location. So it widens things up a lot. Yeah. I was going to say, if you're one of those people with like the virtual assistant in India, that kind of thing. And yeah. Uh, okay. We all yeah. read this, the, yeah. the five hour work she, week. She's we all read that. Actually. Okay. There we <laughs> so after, I mean, there's video, there's, uh, you know, I mean, there are podcasts, there are, there's all these different forms of media. Where do you see it going? What's the next big thing that businesses should really key in on? I think it's going to stay with the, the, the visual content. It's mm-hmm. long form and short form video storytelling. How long? Because I always make stuff too long. I, I'm, I come out of TV and I guess I'm old school that way. And it's always like, yeah, man, you gotta, you gotta cut this down because people watch things in just little clips that's hard for me i I always want to like edit and produce and they're just like get it out get it you know get it out there and i'm slaving over the tiniest thing yeah no and that is important actually i mean that that's more of like sounds like you need to create your own series for netflix or something as a more long form you know what i mean yeah that would be that would be perfect for you um but it's it depends on the platform the answer to that it really depends on the platform the length is going to be 15 or 30 seconds for certain platforms you know 60 seconds is a good sweet pot spot for general things and you know we've got the streaming tv the ott tv now which is great 30 second spots are great for that that's about the limit um so it really depends on the platform but if you're doing something more of a series or more in depth you do i would say three to five minutes as a storytelling form and then if it's going to be more of a series you can go up to 15 minutes you know things like that but that's it that's like a full-on production at that point yeah yeah i I mean they all are even a 30 second video to be honest if anybody knows it there's so much of the backside that goes into just those 30 seconds that final final spot They're like yeah that looks good you're like okay <laughs> why cabo did you end up bu- uh, buying a place there or you, how long are you going to stay there and what's where you had headed next oh who knows um i yeah i looked at some spots here there's a lot of build going on here which is great it's a great spot um and actually one of the companies that um i'm with runs small ship tours out of here. So we meet people here, we take them to the pause, for example, and it's a, it's a great opportunity. So it was easy. It's a straight shot flight back to the US, moving back and forth, really easy. Um, I speak Spanish, so that makes life really easy for me down here. The people are, you know, very nice and generous. Of course, it's very touristy. So I try to, you know, stay mostly out of the tourist spot. But as far as how long I'll be here, I mean, I think that's, that's variable. I mean, I have like, again, it's so nice to be remote and to work with people who get that kind of remote side of things. So I see myself here for at least a bit, at least a bit. And definitely some investment property would probably be right. Right. I want to come back down there, but I want to do it I'm tired of going back down there as a, uh, you know, I'm working on ships and stuff. So I'm there for like six hours 
which, you know, I end up walking around town. I don't really get to do much. Um, there's some cool things I've done, but I, I haven't really given Baja its due. You know what I mean? And I interviewed um, another writer, Kristen Gill, who's uh, a travel writer who lives in La Paz. And she was talking it up. And I still have never been there, which sounds great. It, what is that, about two to three hours? Drive? It's about two and a half hours. Yeah, it's about two and a half hours. So yeah. it's nice because you can go and uh, jump up to Todos Santos, which is about an hour away, which is another great beach spot, little hippie town, lots of great cafes. La Paz is similar to that ish, but they all kind of have this different flair, you know, um, yeah. their own little styles. So definitely come and spend more time down here. You know what? I think that you should do. They have a stage in the plaza in downtown oh, no. San Jose del Cabo. And you should do. <laughs> no. <laughs> Tell some Outdoors jokes there. in the square. No, that's At night, death. It'll be nice and cool. That is death. No comedy needs a roof. <laughs> it needs a, <laughs> a closed four walls. That's what we need. It's some things okay. are never, it should never be done in the daytime or outside. Okay. Especially. I'm going to find you a spot. I'm going to find you a spot. Okay. Okay. I'll come. I'll come. But, <laughs> but these little tiny ships, uh, intrigue me a little bit. What are this, some of the activities they'll do down there? I guess there's certainly there's like whale watching and yeah. all the other stuff down there. I mean, it's got to be pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And one of my favorite things is swimming with sharks. Any sharks I can get in into the water with are great. And so whale sharks are really popular to swim with down here out of La Paz, right? Yeah. Which is one of the easiest spots. And so that's one thing you can do off the ships that is super popular with people. It is unfortunately kind of a small window sometimes with when they want to be there, when they want to cooperate, you know, being respectful to the wildlife, making sure that you're only in the water with a certain amount of people. Um, you know, you're keeping your distance, you're respecting the local laws and things like that. But that is one of the, the biggest straws, I think. And then you've got gray wells up a little further north, the caffeine that goes on there. Obviously, things like snorkeling, the the sea life, um, paddle boarding, kayaking, hiking the arroyos. And what else? I mean, yeah. let's just make it a commercial. I can just, okay. I can just do a commercial for them. Sounds like you need somebody. <laughs> <laughs> to be down there, you know, I do on camera stuff. So if you need me, you know where I am. Uh, okay. I don't want to be in front of the camera, so I'll make you do it. I want to brag. I was the host of uh, top 10 things to do in Taiwan. <laughs> so I want to talk about you, your personal life. Let's get personal. Now that we've talked about work, I saw that you were taking helicopter lessons. Is that right? Yeah, I haven't flown for a while. I definitely need to get back into it. it I, it's one of the best things I've ever done, and I would recommend it for anyone. Um, planes are cool, but let's just be real. Helicopters are so much more cool. I mean, just the hovering. and Yeah, yeah I took a, a flight lesson uh, during COVID, during lockdown, um, which is probably the wrong place to be <laughs> in a tiny cockpit with another person, you know, in masks and stuff. So that was probably a bad idea, but it was really cool. It's something I always wanted to um, pursue. But uh, helicopters are a hard, little harder thing to put together. Where did you do this? And the, the only times I've been in helicopters, I've gotten motion sickness both times. How do, you, wow. how do you how do you fight it? I guess if you're driving, maybe it's not as bad, like car sickness. Huh. Well, 
I have to say that's the first time I've heard that, but that, I can see that happening. Um, so I, I was taking my flight hours in, in Utah, um, which is a great mountain flying school. And mountain flying is great because it offers a lot of different conditions that make it actually a little bit more difficult. So it challenges you more on your skill set. And like I said, I, I loved it. I definitely need to continue logging those hours. I actually looked into if that was something I could do down here in Baja. It's not an option at this time. Um, I do spend some time in Seattle too. So it's a, it's a possibility there, but I have to tell you, um, there was one of the, the last flights that I did was a solo flight. So you have to have, you know, so many hours that you do and so many checkpoints and you do this and then you do, you know, night flying or instruments or whatever. And um, in an R44, I don't know if you're familiar with very much, but they're very small. They're only two people helicopters, right? So, you know, as you do a cross country, you train, you do your patterns around the the remote airports, they're small and remote locations and so on. And the wind had uh, picked up a beyond what I was supposed to be out there for, what I was rated to be out there for, right? So I still had to make it back to my home base and land the helicopter. But when I was doing my patterns, I had miscalculated the wind as I, I came in one side and it kind of uh, knocked me a little bit out of the sky. So with helicopters as different from planes is when those rotors stop, you, you're going to drop. It's, you don't get time to glide or whatever, right? So it kind of was like, wow, that's uh, my blades are slowing down. So the only thing you really can do, well, not the only thing, but one of the things you can do in that instance to gain speed and to speed those rotors back up is to dive close to the ground. And so, which is against your instinct, but yeah, to point the nose what, at the ground. Yeah. It's kind right. of against your instinct. Yeah. And so, you know, coming in, you're already kind of low and that's what I did have to do is kind of dip down, dive down to pick that speed up and get, get back in order to, you know, continue on. Otherwise I could have had some serious problems. Oh my gosh. So did those, log that off on my way back. It was, let me tell you, my hands and legs were so shaky by the end because I was fighting the wind the whole way back. And it's quite a small, like I said, um, helicopter. And so my instructor, when I came back to the Salt Lake International Airport, B airspace, he was standing out there looking up at the sky, like, it's like, where the, can I swear on this program? Sure. Where the <laughs> machine, you know, and, you know he, he was, I think you're a little bit worried and he told me he was after, right? So, and then with that, I didn't want to turn my tail into the wind because I was afraid it would um, spin me. And once you go into a spin, you kind of um, a goner. And so I actually kind of, I landed it sideways and came down and, you know, so yeah, but that was one of my most interesting last flights. But I have to say, it's um it was a challenge and i'm glad it happened because it makes you think and you have to think at that moment you have nothing no other option to think about anything else and you just have to make that decision and i loved it i loved it so don't take this personally but i want to give you a few more hours in the air before i take a ride um, <laughs> i was alone i was alone too so i nobody else oh my was in danger no one else was in danger so that, that's okay that's okay oh. i have good life insurance it's fine yeah let's it's hope fine. so <laughs> so are you splitting time between there and seattle now i am yeah okay good so spots you, i've got the best of both worlds i guess no it's great 
it's so funny. Kristen Gill, the other writer, the writer in La Paz, lived in Seattle for 20 years. Yes, so. I've met her. I've met her. Oh, so yes. you know her. Okay. Yes. Just, yeah, she's out. Yeah. There can't be that <laughs> many travel pros like down there, you know? So it's just like, uh, uh, you must have met some. Yeah. And there was we another know girl, Janine Cohen, who lived down. I know her also. She was yep. in La Paz. Yeah, I've interviewed both of them. Yes. So yeah, that's awesome. That's small amazing. Small community down there. Yes, it is. It's just a small world when you're just kind of in the industry. A lot of people, you know, kind of get to know <laughs> right. each other. Any men in the industry down there? Maybe maybe there's a niche because it seems to be all women. Right. I mean, we're we're way more adventurous than men. That's why we're taking over. <laughs> I do notice. <laughs> At that, least that's my opinion. <laughs> yeah. So I'm assuming you're a big skier, and uh, are you still active in doing that and things like? No. Oh, if I never see snow again, I'll be totally <laughs> fine with that. Ice, on the other hand, glaciers, icebergs, whatever. That's cool. I'll go. I love water sports, so I like the melted snow. Oh. <laughs> water. Um, I'd rather be surfing. Okay, I like snowboarding. That was cool, but not really my thing. So I'd rather take that board out and be on the water and just be pummeled by those waves rather than break my tailbone on a mountain somewhere. But it's still beautiful. I'll meet everybody at the pre-ski after with the the hot toddy. Okay. That's not a bad deal. (laughs) Uh, I'm a diver. So, I mean, is there, how is the diving in, in Cabo and in La Paz? I mean, I don't really know. I know the snorkeling is great with like the whale sharks and stuff, but is it like the Pacific can be a toss up because it can be like bad visibility. It can be cold, you know, so. Right. Um, like the water, I do find a little bit chilly down here sometimes, especially in places like La Paz and so on. More in Cabo is a little better, but I'll have to get back to you on that because I haven't actually dove down here. I, you know, dove in like Thailand and Costa Rica and places like that. Um, obviously places like Florida and the United States, but not here yet, to be honest. Okay. What about, what about beaches? Because. People ask me about Cabo and I said, it's not known for its beaches. The beaches are kind of rocky. The water can be kind of rough. Great hotels and resorts and that kind of thing. And golf, if you're into, <laughs> I guess, if you're into that. And, you know, food, of course, because it's Mexico. But um, are there good beaches that we don't know about in Baja? Yeah, and I'm not going to tell you. That you so can I ruin right see- now? <laughs> so I don't want to see anybody there. I'll I'm going gonna, gonna to send... 10 influencers down there to ruin that beach. Yeah. Keep it safe. Um, <laughs> it depends on what you want is what I always tell people. Like there's the surfers beach, which is Playa Azul. So that's where everybody will go for that. There's the East Cape, which no one really goes out there because you have to kind of go down dirt roads. you got to take a little walk down the beach. The water is very rough. So like you, it's not swimming water. It's a beautiful beach to hang out on. You want to make it a day trip, you know, take your drinks and your lunch down there, whatever. But I wouldn't necessarily recommend swimming in it um, unless you want it to be your last swim, maybe, with, especially with that cerveza. But yeah. um, and then we've got like more swimmable beaches, which are not that many, but like uh, Palmia Beach is where I kind of want to go if I want to launch my stand-up paddleboard off of there. And that's actually the beach that they use for Ironman um, or have used for Ironman down here before. And they kind of go out there from the swim and if you want more of the party, kind of the sound off Sundays where the DJs are going to be, that's going to be Medino Beach. That's more, you know, drive towards Cabo. That's where you're going to have the lounges. You're going to have the bottle service, all that type of stuff. I so won't really be doing that. But... Yeah, it depends on what you're looking for, to be honest. So yeah. there's a little something for everyone. I mean, we need to have like visit, visit Los Cabos needs to be on here with us. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, there's worrying things. Uh, I see it a little bit in Cabo and certainly down in Tulum and things like that. Uh, the growth is really getting kind of unchecked and out of control. And you worry about over-tourism, you know? Um, how is someone who's in that sphere, you have to promote these places. Um, yeah. Is there a part of you who's like, I don't know if we should... <laughs> Maybe maybe it's best to keep this, you know, limited. I don't know, but that's not really your business. I mean, they're coming to you saying yeah. we want as many people as possible. Do you ever turn to them and go, I don't think you want as many people as you think you want down here? Yes. I mean, I don't know. I've ever said it in those words, but I think definitely the way of bringing to the attention of listen, especially with the pandemic and going back to like, what do we not want to see in tourism and those types of things? Over-tourism is a huge deal. It has brought to, been brought to everybody's attention. It's very heightened in everybody's line of sight as far as when they're planning travel, what is going on, how they're choosing things. So that's a big deal. And at companies and um, visitor senators, centers, chambers, you know, those people who are promoting their local locations as far as tourism boards are also very aware of that now too. And so they're shifting their story and you know, some of it, yeah, is going to be a little bit more whitewashed. So it's, yeah, we're going to, you know, offset this by doing certain things. So I just caution people to be um, very wary of that. And if they're going to tell that story of sustainability, they better have something to back it up with, right? So if they're going to be, we're doing this practice to offset it or, we're, you know, providing that, that's great, but make sure it's real. And yeah, it's true. We don't necessarily want everybody to come to one spot because it can be an issue and it can affect back the local people in certain negative ways if it's not checked and you know having those conversations with locals as I like to do will definitely reveal that and of course sustainability too is in it's kind of that sister adjunct that goes perfectly along with the over tourism people are very hyper aware of the sustainability the state of the planet what do we need to do and so the story of travel people people like me who promote travel brands and travel myself that is a big deal talking but, about sustainability, making sure it's happening. Well, what about you personally? What are your dream spots that you haven't been to yet? Whether they're countries that are on your bucket list that you've like, man, I've been dying to go there forever. I kind of think I've hit my top ones that were on my list, like places like Beirut and Marrakesh were definitely at the top places that are very different remote. Vietnam, hiking there to the top of Indochina was definitely on my list. So I checked that off. I would say maybe next um, Oman, which sits it's very different. I want to kind of hang out in the deserts again. Greece is on my list, but kind of so-so. So I think that's a very different aspect, right? That's a whole other spot. And then Dubai. But when they build that new, amazing kick-ass city called The Line that they just announced, if you haven't heard of it, they're building some futuristic city called The Line, which is a, a massive city inside two mirrored walls in the middle of the desert, which is going to be completely self-sustainable and this crazy stuff. So when I'm going to live there, I'm just, I'm just going to be like the, um, you know, one of those futuristic. Like movies. the Martian. You're going to live there like the Martian. <laughs> Never go outside. But, uh, you know, places like Oman, very, I like, I like the anonymity. I like not knowing how to speak the language, not knowing what's going on, um, having to navigate that, having to find things out, having to have that challenge and the anonymity of it. So, uh, you're dying Somewhere to use that Arabic again, aren't you? I, yeah, I got to go back and practice. <laughs> so if I go to Morocco, everybody knows Marrakech, but what, uh, what should I see besides that? I mean, I'm sure that'd be the most touristy place. Right. Um, go to the desert. 
uh, do one of the Bedouin um, excursions, even if it is kind of one of those glamping ones, even if it's a day tour or a couple of days, do an overnight there in the desert. And also Esawera, which is a very old city on the coast um, up, you know, it's kind of where people cross over um, to Spain type of thing. And that also is just, it's, um, yeah, they all have their own individual cultures, which is very different in each location and just a different influence. You know, okay. like that more the coastal side is going to be more influenced by like the Spanish Moors and and vice versa. And Spain has that too. So, give me your worst flying story. Everyone, every every oh, single one no. of them. Come on! <laughs> if I could never get on a plane again, but still travel, I, that would be my dream. That's my where That's I know all of our dreams. We're waiting for that Star Trek <laughs> transporter. You know. Um, my worst plane story. I don't know that I've ever had a really bad plane story. I'm a I'm a pretty tranquil traveler. I try not to let things okay. bother me. So if something kind of goes down, I'm like, eh, whatever. I mean, people are crazy. You know what I mean? When they travel, like those people who like take their socks and shoes off on a plane and are like hanging on just like weird stuff. I just that I just have to I just have to let it go. But um, you've never you've never been stranded somewhere. You ever had your bags end up halfway around the world? Uh, Horrible yep. turbulence. Oh, I mean, I've had some horrible turbulence, um, which obviously didn't make a huge mark on me because I didn't even remember bringing yeah. it up. But, um, I would say you know, one time, but I, I remember this time in particular because I, for some reason I didn't have my seatbelt fastened and on and I completely levitated up and almost to the ceiling <laughs> out of my seat while everybody stayed in their seat. And the guy next to me just looked at me like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. People get knocked out though. It'd be, they break their necks when they had hit the top. I mean, that's scary stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's pretty creepy. Did did you walk up to the front and go, hey, everybody, back off. I'm a helicopter pilot. Let me take over. <laughs> I'm a trained <laughs> helicopter pilot. How yeah, about, only for two people. <laughs> yeah. How about uh, any medical emergencies? Ever had to go to like a hospital in a foreign country or ever horrible food poisoning? Anything? Luckily, no. And after wow. eating like very grayish kind of street meat in Thailand, I think that was my last adventurous excursion into eating stuff like that. <laughs> so I it was like, okay, I think I've got enough things living in my gut. Um, so that was probably my last one. Didn't make me sick, luckily. Oh, you know what? Um, <clears throat> that same thing in Thailand, it wasn't necessarily anything to do with food, but either something bit me or was sun poisoning. I still to this day do not know, but down in the PP Islands one day I'm traveling alone, solo backpacking. And I get back to my hotel room. My leg swells up the size of an elephant. I swear. It was just one leg, just one leg. The rest of it was totally fine. I didn't have any other symptoms. Very odd. And <laughs> and it just went away? Well, in a few days, let's just oh. say it was very painful. It was like hot and cold compresses. I said, like, "What well, should I? Should I take myself to the to the doctor? What should I do?" You know, it's kind of. I kind of just uh, did my own hospitalization in my room. A hot and cold compresses, a lot of fluids type of thing. Kept my leg up. I mean, because what else were they really going to do? I mean, the reception's like, I don't know. We don't, yeah, we don't know. So. I we're going to have painful. to see photos. We're going to have to see photos of this. for. I wish I did have photos. This was in that time of day where it's like not everything was, you know, we didn't snapshot right. every single thing in our day from our breakfast food to, you know, our toenail polish. So I don't have any photos of it, but that would be pretty funny. It is amazing. And the, uh, the length 
the amount of photos because I found my old photo album for my first trip to that 89 trip. And I was gone for like, you know, six weeks backpacking around Europe and 57 photos in the album. That was it. The, the whole six weeks, 57 photos. Now that's yeah, like, that's because you had to really save yeah, on that film. You had to, you you had had to, to film. save on that film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and you had to be choosy and like <laughs> and even still half of them sucked. They were like, you know, scenery of somewhere. It just knowing now what we know about photography and everything else. And we're very camera savvy now and knowing how to get the light right and everything like that. I'm just like snapping. I didn't know what I was doing. And of course, you don't find out what they look like till you get home. And just like, yeah. With the thumb thinking, in the middle of the frame. I mean, are we savvy though? I'm just speaking for myself. I mean, well, I still get photos of like my thumb in them or something. Yeah, no, I'm, but you can delete those and those are gone. And then you take 50 more, you know, it's just like 57 shots. That's like one location now. And then that was the whole six weeks. Yeah, it, it just, that blew me away. But, you know. It's fascinating. And again, that goes back to how things are promoted these days. It's, it's all yeah. visual all movement it's all even if it's a it's still photos they've got now you just you've got to animate those photos or turn it into a story or you know mm. so it's it's definitely I'm exhausted let's go back to newspapers <laughs> this whole and internet thing it's a fad it's a fad this thing i'm telling you so what's next for you you, you strike me as someone who has a book in them you're not going to write uh, one yeah let's let's write it let's see i, I think i might need a ghostwriter i have too many things that i want to do i you know this kind of multi-passionated thing i i think i've always been like this but more so now kind of there's this label right and i hate labels but someone who just loves to do so many different things that you can't it's not that i don't stick with one thing i just want to do them all at the same time and then learn more and then if i learn that then i'm ready for the next thing and let's just you know dump it on top of that so I am going to consume as much information and things until the day I die as I can, <laughs> you know, so whether I, that is like this last thing as I'm finishing up um, my skydive license, I've done some jumps in Seattle. And so I want to keep doing that every time I'm back there. And that I have to say, I love, but also was way more taxing than flying a helicopter. It just, I don't know what it was, but I don't know that I kind of thought through the expectation. I was just like, it's just something I want to do. I want to learn how to do this like this. Yeah. Tandem's fun. But what about how do they jump out by themselves? What does it take? What do you have to do? How do you pack a parachute yourself? How do you, you know, what are the maneuvers? How do you go ahead and, you know, learn to do those spins in the sky, those types of things. Obviously I'm not there yet. I'm just starting out. <laughs> um, and the last time I went, I actually kind of came down pretty hard um, onto the ground, but I'm here. So it's things like that, whether it's something personal or professional, I just want to do and learn. And so I definitely think with my work, um, you know, with my own company that I have, uh, in addition to the other things I do, I want to work with really cool people who have exciting projects. You know, I don't want to just do the typical thing, right? I don't, and I don't need to. It's like, I want to do something that's challenging, that's innovative, that's different, that's going to tell something. Um, and yeah, always up for an adventure. So if you can think of something crazy I should do, I, let me let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've covered most of the bases, but I'll think about it. I'll think about it. So uh, if people want to like find you or hire you for anything, where this is where you get your plugs in. You can advertise yourself here. Where, where, should, where should people find you? 
Yeah, cool. So people can just go to brandsanitymedia.co, C-O, brandsanitymedia.co, and just reach out to me there. Cool. So are you going to be in Cabo over the winter? I think so, yeah. I mean, go back to Seattle in the winter, why? Yeah, I know. That's I can't believe you're not there right now. You should be there right now. Now is the time. I'll be up there soon. It's a beautiful spot. I do love it there. Yeah. So uh, next time I'm there on a ship or something, I'll uh, we'll have lunch in my five hour window that I have in Cabo. Yep. I'll be there. the host. Okay. Yep, plenty to see. I'll let you, finally, let's. Uh, I ask this of everybody though, but what would you think all these travels and the experiences you've had and the places you've been? What has it taught you about yourself? How has it changed you as a person? And how has it changed how you look at the world? That's a whole other podcast. What are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> um, so I, I actually have two very small tattoos that are Latin phrases. One is e pluribus unum and the other is timid noche. One is so e pluribus unum, out of many comes one and timid noche, know yourself. So for me, those actually are kind of wrapped into this concept of travel and every single small little experience, every person we meet, everything we do, every failure, every success actually creates the person that we are. And it's levels of change, layers and layers of growth and challenge. And so for me, that's what those two tattoos signify for me, which hence the reason of putting them on my body permanently, but also kind of encompasses my thoughts around what travel does. And it's just consuming a collection of experiences to try to make yourself a better person and know yourself better. So yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, wellness, take care of yourself, self-love is a big thing. And, you know, online these days and, and mental health is obviously very important. And a lot of that comes back to the same thing of, you know, if you can maneuver experiences with the ability to be flexible and adaptable, which travel demands, otherwise you can just uh, have a terrible time if even the smallest thing goes wrong, right? Um, if you can adapt and be, uh, you know, flex, it's, it's good. Life's going to be a lot better for you, a lot easier. There, yeah. There's my sagisms. That's pretty good. Is that stuff you can learn in your yoga class? <laughs> Well, I don't teach yoga anymore, but I definitely like practicing it. So yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. I appreciate you you reaching out and it was uh, it was nice to meet you. You too. It's been a pleasure to be here and have this conversation and share some fun travel stories and love, uh, love listening to the stories you already share. Thank you. Liz Galloway, everybody. 